Eagles Entertainment. Welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Hello, Eagles everywhere. Hope you had a great bye week, that you're ready to go for the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday. As the 6-0 Eagles get back into action, 11 games remaining in this 2022 regular season. And what a way to get back into action. Howie Roseman striking again just days before the November 1st, 4 p.m. deadline, the trade deadline in the NFL. Roseman makes the deal that really elevates this Eagles defense, sending a 2023 fourth-round draft pick to the Chicago Bears and getting back defensive end Robert Quinn, a 12-year veteran who's got 102 career sacks, including 18 and a half in the 2021 season. He's been in double figures in the sack department four times in his career, three Pro Bowls. Everybody knows about Robert Quinn. And we begin the Eagles Insider Podcast hearing from Quinn, who arrived in Philadelphia on Thursday morning, got onto the practice field on Thursday, wearing number 98, and then he met the media after that practice, talking about how he feels he'll fit in as a Philadelphia Eagle. Shot, I'm still kind of, I'm in fall line I'm still kind of, I've been telling everyone, I'm still trying to, I guess, get a full grasp on what, you know, happening, the transition, but besides that, you know, happy, you know, new place, and great, you know, as I told everyone, I just want to come in, do my part, and, you know, they've been rocking and rolling before I got here, so I, again, don't want to mess anything up, just, you know, try to add whatever I can you know, to, to help make this team better and, and you know, basically stay out the way. And I don't know if they're necessarily challenges, but, I mean, one, you can learn the playbook, first of all. Then, you know, two, or however you want to, one, however you want to phrase it, whatever. You got to know the people who, who's in the building, from coaches to the, the fellas in the locker room, you know, because that's who you deal with every day. And, you um, know, um, really get to know their names and then, you know, how they are, you know, I'll be honest, I'm terrible with names. So it's, so, you know, so that's my, I guess a big challenge for me is just really, because I, you know, take that personally, just want to know people for who they are, not by number. So I've <laughs> been running around this building trying to get things in order. Uh, you know, coach talked to me for a couple, a couple of minutes, you know, saying hi and, you know, welcome me to the team. Um, you know, looking forward to me getting out there, but like I said, it, been running around today, you know, all day. So, brief conversations while I can, and you know, again, it sounds like they're excited to have me here. All right, so that is Robert Quinn, and what a way to start things off here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now, we've got a lot for you the rest of the way here. Great, great podcast as we come off our bye week as well. Hope everybody is safe and sound and fired up as we are. Not only about the Eagles, of course, but about the Phillies as they start their World Series against the Houston Astros on Friday. The city of Philadelphia, South Philadelphia, buzzing with sports. And the Eagles hoping to continue that Sunday against the 2-5 and five Steelers. In this Eagles Insider Podcast, we're going to hear from the Pittsburgh Steelers, a guy who's been covering them, Mike Prasuta, for many, many years. The Steelers, a new era without Big Ben Roethlisberger. What's it like in Pittsburgh with Mike Tomlin as the head coach, Kenny Pickett, as the quarterback. We'll also hear from Zach Paschal in the Eagles locker room. Had a chance to speak to him on Wednesday about his role and his thoughts on the Eagles coming back from the bye week. Do they still have that dog mentality? In our extra points, defensive end Brandon Graham is launching a clothing line. What's that all about? We'll hear from BG on that. But let's begin the interview process here with a visit from Landon Dickerson, second-year offensive guard, Played his college football at Florida State and Alabama. Suffered a severe knee injury in his last season at Alabama. And many thought, well, why would you use a high draft pick on him? Well, the Eagles did just that. A second round pick. And then everybody thought, well, that's okay. They've got Brandon Brooks and they're not going to need Landon Dickerson. He'll have a red shirt year as a rookie. And week two, Brooks goes down. Dickerson goes in. And away we go. So Landon Dickerson, who I hadn't talked to for quite a while, really, since he was drafted, came by the studio here at the Novacare Complex, and we talked about big country. What else? One-on-one with Landon Dickerson. Our big country, Landon Dickerson, joins me on the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Hi, Landon. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Bye week? Good times? 
Pretty good. Slow times? Uneventful, so that's, that's nice. kind of nice. Do you feel like you, it's a, a, a great time to actually, with the physical break as well as the mental break, equally uh, beneficial? Yeah, I, I feel like just having that time to yourself to kind of, you know, do whatever guys want to do over that time. Everybody's got different things they do during the bye week. So I think it's just nice to get, you know, your body a rest and your mind a rest. I'm interested in you. Uh, we haven't really had a really long conversation until just after you were drafted. And um, what a journey already. I mean, you get uh, you get thrown into the to the lineup second game of the year last season, um, middle of the game. I mean, whew, things happen fast in this league. Uh, I'd like to go back, though, to, to your start. Um, when did you start playing football? When did you start falling in love with football? And why did you fall in love with football? I started playing football when I was about four years old. Uh, you know, flag football all the way up through, you know, like peewee and all that stuff, middle school, high school. And, you know, I've always I've always really loved it. It's always been, you know, a passion no matter what other sports I was playing whenever I was four or five or whatever time. It was, you know, I always just love football the most out of any of them. And Why? I don't know if it's the, you know, the camaraderie, the, you know, teammates, the guys you're around or – you know, just overall aspect of the game. Um, really, I love every part of it. You're a team, like you're a team guy. Like you like being part of a group that works together to have success. Yes. And so, the, so I guess I, I deal, the ideal position for you is offensive line. I find this offensive line group to be. I mean, this room is is remarkable, and I want to get into that a bit later. Um, I met your parents on the road. I forget whether it was a preseason game or Detroit or whatever. And I'm always struck by that. You know, you're sitting with your parents. It's the night before the game. You're sharing in the experience of your career. How special is that to you, Landon? I mean, it's very special just to, you know, be able to see my parents and have them come to a good amount of games, even the games, you know, that we're not home for. Um, You know, it's always good to see them. They're not, you know, local to me. So it's, you know, I'm away from them, but it is nice to, you know, I get to see them almost every weekend and, you know, just the position I'm in and just how grateful we are to, you know, be where I am today and where they are and, you know, everything that's come along with it. Have they always been at Florida State and Alabama? They were able to get your games also? Yes. Oh, my God, that must be so fun. Best advice or some advice that you can remember that your folks have given you through the years that kind of really stuck with you? Basically just putting your all into something that you love, like, you know, don't have to do anything and, you know, if, if you're really going to do it, do it right. And, you know, I just kind of stuck with me, especially, you know, the football side of things is, you know, if you want to do it, just go all in. Are they athletes? Um, kind of like growing up, they did play sports like in high school. My dad did in college, too. I see. Was he a football player? Yes. What, uh, uh, what, play, what position? Offensive line. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did he teach you? Was he like the early Jeff? St- was he the first Jeff Stoutland in your life? Uh, not coaching wise. <laughs> okay, brothers, sisters, are they athletes no, also? Only child. Oh my gosh, that's great. What is Hickory, North Carolina like? Uh, it's a relatively smaller town when compared to Philadelphia. Obviously, um, it was kind of, I'd say, a more quiet town in North Carolina. I think uh, probably the biggest thing. I think uh, DB from Lenore Ryan came out of there in the draft a few years ago and I think that's kind of what it got known for and you know Lenore Ryan usually has a well when I was growing up they had a pretty good football team and um yeah it really is you must have been the biggest thing and the biggest slice of bread in the history of freaking Hickory North Carolina and football no there's there's other people have come out of there okay anybody's ever gone to D1 oh yeah plenty plenty guys go D1 anybody any other like NFL guys that we would know? Like uh, Ryan Suckup, I know. Oh, okay. okay. Um, trying to think. Who else? If the Eagles like, win the Super Bowl. Uh, Caleb would... Farley, I think, okay. from Virginia Tech. When the Eagles win yeah. the Super Bowl, would there be a, a Landon Dickerson parade down there? We don't talk about that. We play Pittsburgh next. I understand. I'm saying someday. Someday. We play Pittsburgh next. Okay, good man. I, that's, that's the kind of mentality I'm all about. Um, in your bio, you list Lawrence Taylor as the player that you really loved as a kid. Um, how, why, what, where, where did, you must've been a very young Landon Dickerson seeing very, very young, but honestly, it kind of, I think it came as a little bit of a joke, like going into high school. I did play offense and defense. And I think some of the older guys, like, I don't know why they 
started calling me like Lawrence Taylor. I don't know if it was <laughs> J- or like Lawrence. I think they just messed my name up, but you know, um, just I just thought he was always a phenomenal player. And I mean, there's been a lot of guys that I like as a player. I think that was just the first one that popped off in my head. And um, yeah, I just think you know the way he played, I really enjoyed you know watching and his playing style. So when you went to Florida State, did you have an idea that you had a chance to be that kind of player? I mean, I, I think every kid growing up always has that dream of doing that and, you know, kind of going back to it, like just keep pursuing things until you can't anymore. And that was like football, like put everything into football. And, you know, if I end up being good enough to make it to the NFL, then, you know, keep pushing on from there. And that was just kind of always my mindset with it. And the, And then why did you pick Alabama as the next step? I thought just you know, after graduating from Florida State, um, just for my development as a player and, again, wanting to, you know, kind of go along that road of trying to get to the NFL, I just felt like the staff that was there, the system, the program, and, you know, the development I could get there would help me get to the NFL. So along this time, somewhere after you're, you're finished playing, I know you're recovering from the injury, the combine, the, the, you know, getting ready for the draft – at some point, you meet Jeff Stoutland. Um, when was the first time you met Jeff Stoutland? And what was that experience like? I, I want to get into the mythical Jeff Stoutland. Yeah, so we, you know, my the draft year was the COVID year, obviously. So everything we did was virtual. So um, really the first time meeting Coach Stoutland was uh, over Zoom, which he can be a very vocal person. And coming over the computer, um, you know, you're kind of just sitting there and you feel like you're just getting lectured. And But it was it was a good time. You know, we, we mainly just talked ball and he would ask me questions and, you know, get a feel for how I would think, my thought process and, you know, all that stuff. And it was uh, – it was interesting. It was one of the more interesting draft meetings I had. Was he, like, telling you about your game or about what he thought your game could become? Uh, I don't really – I'm sure there was that. There was also the here's what's wrong with you. Here's why you're not good. Here's a lot of stuff. He's a very honest man. I'll give him that. So, I mean, yeah. I would imagine it takes a thick skin to understand the genius of Jeff Stoutland. I think it does paired with, you know, that kind of, you know, Northeast United States accent. It's uh, <laughs> comes off a little differently than, you know, down south. So it's uh, definitely something to get used to. As, I mean, as long as you don't have thin skin and get offended, you just realize that's just his personality. And he's and Jeff is there for all of you. He wants to bring out the very, very best in all of you. Is that something like that you immediately got, Landon, like as soon as you became an eagle, like, you understood that Stout wants you to be great. and Or, or was it like talking to other guys or just acquired, acquired taste? I feel like it, you get it from once you understand his message, it's kind of like it's almost like you got to decipher what he's saying to you. And one, once you've figured out how to do that, you understand that he's just trying to get, you know, the best out of you, the best out of every guy in that room. And, you know, when everybody's playing at a high level, then – you know, good things happen. So 2021 season, and I mean, I think a lot of people out there, outside of here, kind of thought, well, Landon Dickerson's going to take a redshirt year. He's going to get healthy. He's going to, we'll, we'll see him next year. Brandon Brooks is going to be, and then Brandon goes down, and then you're in the game. I think it was at the three-yard line against San Francisco, first and 10. I think for most people who aren't used to that kind of pressure, it would be a very tough situation. What was, do you remember what that moment was like when you ran out on the field for the first time? I, I remember the play very well. I don't want to speak about that play. I mean, it had a good result, but as individually, it did not go well. Um, it was uh, obviously it's uh, you know first snap in the NFL is always something I think guys remember. And you know, I I didn't have the expectation of you know going in at that time. Obviously, being behind Brandon Brooks and then having other guys here, you know, Nate Herbig, Suo Peta guys that have been here they've played ball and you know kind of in my mind I go I'm kind of like the last man here and you know I get put in and you know it's kind of next man up whoever it is that's just how the room goes doesn't matter who's in there's a 
you know, level of expectation that every guy on the line has to play to. And so, you know, going in there and, you know, being able to try to fill the very large shoes that, you know, Brooks left, I tried my best, but obviously he's a phenomenal player and that's, you know, something hard to do. The, the relentless pursuit of perfection, right? Well, I, like the biggest thing is like whenever you feel like you're good at something, you get complacent. Like sure. I always, I always kind of think about it. It's like, you know, like woodworking. Whenever you get comfortable and you're not, you know, afraid to do like a, a saw. And most people get hurt, cut their finger, hand, whatever off when they get comfortable with it. That's when you get complacent and you start overlooking the little things is when you get bit. Yeah. So the, the brotherhood in the, in the OL room, tell me, tell me about how you guys, you know, love each other, push each other, make fun of each other, how much it means to you to be part of that. Yeah. I think, you know, we, we all just have the same mindset and, you know, what we want to accomplish and what we want to do as, you know, individuals, a unit and as a team and, you know, just the attitude in that room and, you know, we're, it's, it's not a selfish room at all. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. Like, we're looking to help guys out. I mean, same position, competing for a job, however you want to look at it. I mean, we're here to help guys out and, you know, ultimately just make the best team. I want to go way off track here. For just, we only have a minute or two left. Something that you and I, we, we shared a stage talking to the rookies in the off season, And somebody asked, I, I guess like I asked you, uh, what's the biggest lesson you learned as a rookie? And your answer was taxes. And I wonder, like, you, players don't know that they're playing, playing, paying these crazy taxes when they come into the NFL. Why is there, like, why is there no education about that? Why is that, like, in college, everybody should be taking a personal finance class? Like, you go to, you get a job, you're paying taxes. Right? I mean, I, there's a lot of fundamental issues with the educational system in the United States. I won't go into that too much, but um, there are a lot of things that I believe that, you know, kids should be taught going through, you know, middle school, high school, college that are not part of the curriculum that are rarely taught to anybody. And um, I mean, it's, it is great that people can recite, you know, whatever happened October 5th, 1832. Don't give but, me trigonometry, man. Well, I'm, now there's there's a place for it, but at the same time, there's, you know, a, how many people going through school are going to use trigonometry in their career versus how many people are going to pay taxes? Hopefully, 100% of them are paying taxes. Right. I think that every high school student should be taught two classes, personal finance and public speaking. That's just yeah. me, Right. Everybody's got to speak. Everybody's got to sell themselves in one way or another. All right, um, Pittsburgh Steelers coming to town. Uh, I know they throw. I don't know how far you into uh, into it with them. I know they always throw a lot of stuff. They're very yeah. aggressive defensively. Uh, what have you seen? Yeah, I think they do a great job of you know having a game plan every week, no matter what team they're playing. Um, you know, they change things up um, for every team, and I think that's what you know makes them a quality defense. Is that you know you're, you're going to see something new every week that you haven't seen on film and. You know, you can't really practice for that if you don't know what's happening. So, you know, I, I think they're a well-coached uh, defense, a disciplined team. Uh, they do a lot of things right. They have a lot of good players, a lot of veteran experience there. Um, you know, overall, I think they're a good team, and, you know, I look forward to the Sunday matchup. Excited to get back out on the field after, after a couple of weeks? Absolutely. Feels like it's been a long time. Yeah. Landon, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Zach Paschal came to the Eagles in free agency after – Five seasons with the Indianapolis Colts because he loved Nick Sirianni, because he felt there's a great opportunity here to play a lot with the Eagles and to contribute in a variety of ways. He's done that, playing 120 snaps on offense, a core member of the team on special teams. Pascal in six games, has six catches, 39 yards, most of them for first downs. He's just one of those players who you want to have on your football team. He does things right. And he and I spent a few minutes at his locker on Wednesday talking about his role, talking about this team, and why he thinks the Eagles are well-positioned coming off the bye to get right back into it and play very good football against the Steelers on Sunday. Zach, you came to Philly, you know, for a very specific reason, and I wonder, you know, through seven weeks here, how, how it's lived up to expectations. <laughs> it's been cool, man. I'm just continuing to grind, continuing to take it day by day, and you know, 
Uh, numbers may not show where I want to be, but I'm having fun with the guys, having fun with the team, and continue to do my job to the best of my I've best never of. really seen you as a, a, a numbers, like that's not the definition of whether it works. Like to me, you're the, the ultimate kind of like, this is your role. You're going to play your role really well, mm-hmm. and you're going to, and that's kind of what this whole team seems to be about, right? right? Right, exactly. And when you put a bunch of those guys together, it, you know, it make it, it makes it go. And you know, it's, over the course of a season, you're going to you're going to get yours. Um, how, how do you feel about the, this football team right now and the experience that you're having through six games? Uh, I feel really good about the uh, team through six games, but um, right now, you know, coming off the bye week, our main focus is getting back on track and. You know, getting back to work and getting the W's rolling in and getting back to the tr- uh, path we was on. How tough is it to get back on track and get back on that on that roll? It depends on the type of guys you got in the locker room. I mean, we got guys that work, so I'm pretty sure in the offs, uh, during the bye week, people was working. Um, people came in and worked these past two off days. So I know, I know guys are ready to go. It depends on, you know, the type of football team you got. What's Nick's message been? Uh, what did Nick say this morning? Nick said basically... Um, Put your foot back on the gas pedal. Like, we can't be one of those teams who started off hot and then after bye week, you know, we come out and we, we, we take a goose egg. So um, just trying to stay stay hot and continue to roll. How much have you seen Pittsburgh through your career? Uh, I played them like two or three times. What 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 is what are the characteristics of that defense? If I remember, it's like it's always aggressive. They always show you something that you're mm-hmm. you haven't seen unscouted stuff. They're aggressive. They they are uh, they real physical. I know they'll hit they'll hit you. Um, and they got a pretty good DN. Um, they had a couple good de- defensive line guys when I played them. Um, but you know, just staying ready. You know, they had they got a lot of disguise, but the main thing is just being physical with them and hitting them. Do you feel like Zach? This is a, a team that is a, the hunted team. This team? Yeah. Oh yeah, we being hunted. But the crazy thing is, we be hunting too. So you know, it, it worked both ways. Like we know we being hunted, but we looking for people to hunt too. Does it, let, does it feel good to be the hunted team? I mean, I mean, it depend, like I said, it depends on the type of team you got. Depend on the type of people who are going to take it and and do what with that. Like, yeah, you the hunted, so like, what you going to do with that now? You know what I'm saying? And you're, how do you feel about the offense? Um, big numbers, but I know that people have always said we haven't put four quarters together yet. Uh, yeah, this offense is explosive, very explosive. You got guys all over the, all over the, all over the field, so. Um, just trying to make it chill, get better. It's a lot of things we could get better on, though. That's the thing about it, and nobody really sees it. We could get better in a lot of different areas. So that's the good part about it, and that's why we go out here and we practice and have fun with it. All right, how about those Pittsburgh Steelers? They are a struggling team. They're 2-5. and five. They've got a new quarterback in Kenny Pickett. They've had some injuries. Uh, it's just been just a really interesting time for them after 18 seasons of plus 500 football, right? Crazy. With a quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, who was great, one of the best. Well, we decided to find out about the Steelers in our first look by talking to the sports director at WDVE Radio in Pittsburgh. He's also the host of the Steelers pregame show. Mike Prasuda joins me here taking a first look at the Steelers. Mike Prasuda, thanks so much for joining me here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Uh, it's been a long time since we've talked, I uh, feel. Um, but you've been around the team for a million years, maybe just a bit longer than Ben Roethlisberger. And now uh, there's a changing of the guard in Pittsburgh. First, thank you so much for joining me. And number two, what is it like in the post-Ben era with the Steelers? Confused. <laughs> they, they think they found the successor in Kenny Pickett, but they thought they had a placeholder in Mitch Trubisky. That didn't work out. Uh, they are groping uh, for an offensive identity and uh, really too often uh, making it too difficult on themselves. Uh, they've got a decent array of young skill players, but those guys are all in various stages of development. Consistency has been a real issue, Dave. And defensively, they're trying to get a pass rush without the reigning defensive player of the year. Uh, it's been uh, a struggle. The Steelers have earned two and five. But otherwise, Mrs. Lincoln, how's the play? Um, look, I mean, that kind of happens when you change quarterbacks. No, I mean, it's been so long since you have done it there in Pittsburgh. Maybe they've forgotten the, the struggles inevitably that happen. Um, how is Mike Tomlin holding up? And give me some impressions. What do you think of Kenny Pickett? 
Uh, Tomlin's getting a little crustier by the week, but that's kind of his uh, MO anyway. Uh, he's always very excited and happy during training camp because football is back, and then uh, you start losing a game or two, and then you start getting uh, questions from the same guys that you've been getting questions from for, for the entirety of your career, and uh, it, it tends to get a little bumpy. But uh, Kenny Pickett's been interesting, Dave. Um, there was a lot of speculation going into the draft that he was probably the most pro-ready guy because he spent about nine years at Pitt and he was coming out at age 32. Only exaggerating slightly on both of those. But he is not Superman physically, but he has all the skills to play the position. He's got the required mobility and escapability. He's a good runner. Uh, he's got a good enough arm. He's got a great grasp of the game. But where, the, where he has really impressed a lot of people out here, uh, myself in particular, is he's just such a natural QB. He's that guy. Uh, I was talking a couple of weeks ago with one of the tight ends, Zach Gentry, and he was telling me a story about how back in OTAs, when Pickett was in the huddle, he wasn't uh, afraid to call out a veteran uh, who wasn't pay, paying attention. Hey, look at me. Look at my eyes. I'm calling the play now. Pay attention. Uh, things of that nature. He just gets it in terms of being that guy. Now, does he always make the right decision? Uh, does he have the in-helmet experience? No. But uh, they're, they're pretty comfortable so far, and it's a very small sample size they're comfortable they have the right lump of clay but now they got to mold it into a franchise qb i mean look i haven't watched every steelers game but i certainly watched on sunday night and it is interesting he definitely has it um i i think you know you you, you see interceptions that's to be expected a decision making mike uh presence in the pocket those kinds of things what are you seeing from a, a young quarterback against the blitz how's he done things like that pretty well uh the, the big gripe out here and this has been going on since the opener in cincinnati uh starting with mitch trubisky uh they went into the season banging the drum publicly that they love their young receivers and they weren't going to be afraid to take shots down the field and they didn't mind if it was a 50 50 ball they, they were going to give uh players such as deontay johnson and George Pickens and Chase Claypool a chance to make plays on 50-50 balls. Claypool and Pickens in particular are monsters physically. They tower over most defensive backs, and they've just been very reluctant to do that. Once the regular season started, they decided they didn't want to turn the ball over and risk anything, and what that's uh, degenerated into is an offense that really lacks splash, and defenses have caught on, uh, and they're, they're making life tough on the running game and crowd the box, and just this past uh, Sunday night in Miami in particular, uh, they had a lot of one-on-one coverage opportunities on the outside that they turned down for whatever reason. I don't know why it is. I don't know if it's being coached that way. I don't know if the quarterbacks are seeing it and just not trusting it, but you're getting a lot of sideways passing, a lot of short passing, and it, it, it seems like the idea is to just get the third manageable and then just try to get a first down and then figure it out from there. And, you know, it's hard to do that in the NFL. It's hard to go 60, 70 yards without getting a bunch of those yards in a chunk or two. And uh, they've got to find a way to get some splash. They think they have the components in their offense to make that happen, but so far they haven't figured out how to do that consistently. I would like to talk about those wide receivers. They are impressive, and the rookie is is dynamite. And you, you add, And I look at the matchup on Sunday against – Darius Slay and James Bradbury and Avante Maddox, and it really is enticing. Um, will the you know will the Steelers have a change? Will they go after these three really good cornerbacks? I mean, I I kind of want to see that battle. Boy, I, you know, I haven't seen it yet. I mean, we're all we're all screaming for it uh, in the media. Uh, the receivers are starting to grouse about it a little bit. Uh, Pickens has been. A revelation. He got the training camp, and it was one highlight catch after another. I mean, this guy is physically gifted. He, he just knows his body control is amazing. He's got great hands. He, he's that guy also. And, uh, you know, he got six targets in Miami, and uh, he had six catches, and he had a touchdown. Uh, why they're not going to that well repeatedly is beyond me. I mean, uh, I get that the NFL is all about matchups you like, but it's also about letting your guys make plays. Uh, I, I can recall seeing the Rams play a couple of weeks ago. They threw the ball to Cooper Cup 19 times. 
I think he caught 17 of them. Uh, he, don't let the coverage dictate all the time is the way I'd approach it. And they got a little scared of uh, Xavier Howard, I thought, uh, the veteran Miami corner who's had a great career but isn't necessarily playing his best football right now for whatever reason. I don't know if age is catching up to him or injury or what have you, but uh, I, I, w- I would certainly like to see them attack outside. Uh, but uh, I've, I've been waiting for that again since the Bengals game when all this started and uh, just haven't seen it enough. Mike, let's flip to the defensive side. I know TJ Watt just a, a, just a huge loss. Um, how have the Steelers compensated? What can the Eagles expect on Sunday? from a defense that traditionally blitzes and is very aggressive, likes to play downhill. Yeah, they've, they've had a real problem generating pressure since Watt got hurt, Dave, but it's been real interesting to watch uh, how they've gone about replacing him. Uh, Brian Flores is on the staff for Mike Tomlin this year as a senior defensive assistant. And they've also got a new defensive coordinator, Terrell Austin, and they've been really creative. When Watt got hurt, uh, rather than just put the next – outside linebacker in the lineup who is clearly substandard to Watt. Uh, they've gone to a lot more three down linemen and one outside linebacker uh, in, in the passing game situations, or even, even in the base defense, they uh, traditionally have used two inside linebackers in their three, four. Now they play three a lot of the time. They've done different things in the secondary. Uh, they got crazy against Tampa Bay and Tom Brady two weeks ago. Uh, all those starting defensive backs except one were injured, so they came up with this rotation scheme where uh, the, the the linebackers would, would run outside the corner, the corners would run back to safety, and the safeties would run up and fill where the linebackers had been playing. And I think it really uh, at least slowed down Tom Brady. I don't, I don't want to say he got confused because everybody says, oh, he's been around forever and he's seen everything, but he was very ineffective against the Steelers as he was again this past Sunday. I think you can expect to see something out of the Steelers' defense that they haven't necessarily put a ton of tape out on. Uh, not sure what they think you know, is job one in stopping that Eagles offense. I, I would imagine it's the quarterback. But uh, stay tuned on how they play it because uh, they, they have not been afraid uh, to color outside the line so far in Watt's absence. Yeah, it's interesting because the Eagles' offense is, is a bit unique and certainly the run game is unique with the way they use Hurts. Um, against a defense that is willing to kind of do anything on a week-to-week basis, and that Sunday night should have had, what, six interceptions against Tua? I mean, I, I really feel like the Steelers' defense has hung in there, battled, and even without its best player, they've, they've done a terrific job. Yeah, other than two things on that, they, they haven't gotten the pressure. And, you know, one of the things Watt was great at, it wasn't just the sacks with him. He knows how to separate the ball. And you get a lot of turnovers off of those sacks. But, uh, you know, not having that, they've still managed to keep a lid on all the games except the Buffalo game. Uh, that was a weird one. They, they were in position. It wasn't like they were letting guys run free all over the place. They just, I mean, that 98-yard uh, touchdown, I don't know if you saw the clip of that first series of the game, third and 10 from the two-yard line, and they give up a 98-yard score. They had double coverage on uh, Gabriel Adams. They just didn't, didn't make the play. Uh, but for the most part, they've been good, good enough. It's the offense that's holding them back. They just can't score points. I think they're averaging 16 a game or something ridiculous uh, along those lines. Uh, the, the, the defense, uh, Miami was another good example. They really got off to a bad start, gave up a touchdown on the first possession and 13 points on the first three possessions. And then they made a couple adjustments, figured out what uh, the Dolphins were doing and they only allowed a field goal the rest of the game. So uh, I kind of like their chances to be competitive on defense, but I just don't know what to expect from an offense that really uh, too often it's just gotten in its own way, Dave. Mike, this is a franchise that hasn't had a losing record in, I don't know, what, 18 years, 19 years, whatever it is, some, something nuts. Um, 2003. It, I mean, we, we, we are, we have, we've been taught not to give up on the Pittsburgh Steelers that they will turn things around. Uh, do you expect this team to turn things around this season? More specifically, any signs that this, kind of, this giant will awaken on Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if the, <laughs> the giant uh, – that ain't happening. Uh, do I think they're going to get a top-five pick? Probably not. Uh, I, I think they will 
continue to figure things out offensively as Pickett gets some more uh, in-helmet experience. Uh, they, they should start to be a little bit more productive that way. And the schedule does flatten out. I mean, they've gone through the Eagles game for the Steelers is the last in a gauntlet that has included uh, Buffalo. Uh, Tampa, we thought at the time, was a very good team. Now, that hasn't necessarily played out that way lately. Uh, Miami with Tua and all that speed they have at receivers, a real challenge. And the Eagles are undefeated. Uh, after that stretch, they're going to start looking at uh, more New Orleans and Carolina and Indianapolis after their bye. So I think they'll win seven, eight, nine games, maybe uh, maybe nine to the ceiling. Uh, but uh, it, it's not a Super Bowl contender that's been asleep that's uh, coming to South Philly this week. Interesting. And then finally, Mike, in Europe, you've seen this young quarterback thing before. Do you believe that Kenny Pickett is going to be a franchise quarterback? Franchise, uh, Patrick Mahomes, that kind of guy, no. Uh, a guy that's good enough to win with, absolutely. Uh, I, I would put him probably uh, on the second tier, if that gives you a context. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to be threatening to be all pro. Uh, I don't think he's uh, the guy that uh, puts the team on his shoulders and wins the game all by himself. But I think he can play the style of game that you have to play now in the NFL. Unless you've been around for 16 years and you're just so experienced and, and you're able to anticipate and you're laser sharp accurate. I don't think you can play the way guys used to play. I think you have to play like Jalen Hurts. I think you have to play like Josh Allen. Uh, you got to be able to make plays, plays with your legs and your arm. You got to be able to escape pressure and you got to be able to uh, move the chains with your feet. And I think he can do all those things. Uh, going back to the it factor, I think he's a guy people will follow and rally around. Uh, it's going to be fun kind of watching him develop. Uh, but I don't think he's ever going to beat Ben Roethlisberger uh, where, where you go into that critical situation and say, okay, go win the game for us because you're who you are. Uh, I don't think he's going to be that guy, but I think he can be more than good enough. Does that make any sense? All right, Mike, we do know what you mean. Thank you very much for that. Stephen Wisniewski is the honorary captain on Sunday. Always an interesting career. Formerly with the Raiders, he, st- he started He started with the Eagles, started with Kansas City, won a couple championships in the NFL, um, but was never like that big money offensive lineman. I always remember talking to him about getting a one-year deal. It was always a series of one-year deals for Stefan Wisniewski, who shares with us here his memories of his time in Philadelphia and some of the things that he thought were special about the Eagles, about you, the fans, about the city of Philadelphia, and certainly about that 2017 Super Bowl winning team. Hi, Eagles everywhere. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Excited to welcome back the great offensive lineman, 10 years in the NFL, six teams, two Super Bowls, Stephen Wisniewski. How you doing, Steph? I'm doing great. How about you? Doing just fine here at the NovaCare Complex. Of course, you know exactly where we are. You remember the building, I'm sure, in your mind. You look great. Um, tell me about life right now. and Tell me about your, your, your career and why, Steph, you, not the biggest guy, not the fastest guy, how you were able to carve out 10 great seasons and have so much success. Well, I wasn't slow or weak, but uh, you're right. I wasn't the strongest or the fastest. Um, but Man, I, I was blessed to have been taught the game of football by my dad who played in the NFL, my uncle who played in the NFL, all their NFL buddies. So I feel like I was kind of taught the game from the best from a young age, kind of feel like I showed up at college already having a lot of NFL training. And so I really feel like my my technique was was kind of advanced and my understanding of the game was advanced. And that really helped me a lot to, you know fit right in in the NFL when I showed up as a rookie. And it's interesting that, you know, as an offensive lineman, you know, I'm not sure fans really understand that it is so much about technique, isn't it? To have that kind of success at this level, sometimes the difference is just how good you are at the little things. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, in the NFL, like, everyone's pretty big, everyone's pretty fast, everyone's pretty strong. Sure, some guys are stronger, faster than others, and that certainly helps. But at the end of the day, whether you make a block or not, comes down to did you put your hand in the right spot and like we're talking about a couple inches here or there is the right spot did you 
lean just like a little bit forward, like literally like a couple inches forward. And then, you know, somebody strong pulls you on your face and you look stupid, sacks the quarterback, but a couple inches back, you're good. You make the block. Everyone's happy. So it's, it really is the finer details and uh, was blessed to be a part of that offensive line room where the whole room cared about the details and was always trying to grow and learn. Speaking of being blessed, how do you feel? How do you kind of characterize 10 years in the league? I mean, um, it's really remarkable. How do you, how, as a, now that you've got some perspective, um, how do you look back at your career? Uh, truly grateful, you know, for the opportunity. Um, it, it really was kind of two different careers in a lot of ways for me. You know, my first um, five years in the league, I was a starter every game, you know, playing well, respected all that. And then um, for whatever reason, I, I kind of ended up as a backup, kind of having to fight my way back into starting roles. And I, I did that several times, but um, it was kind of it was kind of up and down at that point, kind of having to earn my way back in, kind of ending up on the bench again, earning my way back in. And to be honest, my career kind of went two ways as a team, too. So my first six years didn't make the playoffs one time. Uh, my career record was like 300 or win percentage, like 300. It was terrible. And sure enough, year seven, eight, nine, ten. Um, playing three Super Bowls, go to the playoffs four times. I actually married my wife right before that season. So I say she's my good luck charm, Hillary. Thanks uh, for that and many other things. But um, it really, really, football becomes a lot more fun when you're winning. I, I can definitely say that. I mean, we really enjoyed having you here in Philly for three seasons, winning a Super Bowl. Um, you know, if that was, a t if you kind of think back, a team that was really not expected to do what it did, at least by the outside, young quarterback, a coach who had not been a head coach for very long, just one season prior. Steph, when you look back at that, did you see it coming? Did you see that kind of team forming in 2017? I think our expectations going into the season were, to be honest, like we didn't quite know how good we were going to be or could be. But I think as the season went along, our confidence grew and our expectations grew. Um, I remember, you know, winning on a walk-off field goal against the Giants, and that's kind of like, all right, one win, and then we started stacking wins on wins, and I think we won seven in a row at one point. And it's like, when you're when you're good enough to win seven in a row, you you really develop a lot of confidence, belief in yourself, belief in your teammates, and just a belief that, like, you know what, like, right, why can't we beat anybody? You know, why not us? Why isn't this our year? And uh, I think at some point during that season, our expectations changed from like we're not sure who we are or who we could be to like we expect to to win a Super Bowl. Like that's what we want to be. And obviously Wentz gets hurt. That could have changed our expectations. But to be honest, I, I think we had already made our mind up that we wanted to be a Super Bowl champion team and we weren't going to let that change our minds. And, and we didn't. We still believed and, and kept fighting for it. What was that Super Bowl experience like for you? Uh, obviously beating the Vikings going out to Minneapolis, freezing cold, the game itself, the parade after that. Um, you got your Eagles hat on, you're all fired. What was it like for you, Steph? So the experience, like the week of, was not fun, right? You're in Minnesota at zero degrees. Like, <laughs> we walked around the mall. It's like, cool, fun, like, great. Uh, they're like, hey, do you want to go outside and look at ice sculptures? Like, no, why would anyone want to do that? That's a terrible Super Bowl activity. So I really looked at it like it's just business, right? We're in Minnesota, let's just focus um obviously the game itself unbelievable experience beating tom brady was so cool um just the fact that we outdueled him in a shootout too is pretty cool as an offensive guy our perspective i mean they just kept scoring touchdown 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 and we're just like all right cool we'll just go score another touchdown no big deal we ain't scared um so that was that was an unbelievable experience um and getting to do it with such a great group of guys man um uh, love that o-line group love that whole team um really felt, you know, a strong bond with those guys. And I think that's part of the reason we were so good is is kind of being a close-knit team. But then the parade was was one of the best days of my life. Um, game day wasn't fun until like 10 p.m., right? It was kind of work before that. But the parade, you just woke up and you're like, this is going to be a good day. And we like pull around the first corner out of NovaCare and you just start seeing the the giant crowd and you just feel the energy immediately, people screaming. And I had a high ankle sprain, like I had a thigh bruise, like I was dead tired. And like immediately I'm just like, let's go. You, know, you just you just felt it. And uh, I mean, that adrenaline rush is, is unbelievable. And um, I, I'm, I'm forever grateful to those Eagles fans, not just for that day, but for that whole season, man, we really fed off those guys. Um, 
and just the joy on, on their faces at that parade. I'll, I'll never forget, man, seeing people that happy that, you know, they had waited their whole lives for, for that Super Bowl and was, I truly feel blessed to be one of the guys that was part of bringing it to them. It was amazing. Everybody remembers it so fondly. And I got to tell you, the one guy who was so instrumental to the success that you had to everyone who's been in the trenches here in Philly has had Jeff Stoutland still doing it, still getting on his guys, still bringing out the best in everyone. I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear what you thought of Jeff and what he meant to you in your career. Yeah, Jeff's a really good football coach. He's a little crazy, which, you know, most a lot of good coaches are, and that's okay. Uh, he would probably admit to that. Um, but man, he, he really knows his stuff and he's really committed to making sure everybody's working their butt off every day, mentally locked in at all times. Um, and really making sure everyone cares about the littlest details. You know, a lot of coaches will kind of cover the big stuff, let the little stuff slide. Stout really cared a lot about the little details of footwork angles, anticipating what was going on. Um, I learned how to double team the best way you could from Stout. Learned a lot about how run games should work from Stout. Really appreciated that. Took that with me, you know, where I went on from the Eagles. And um, it was really cool room, too. So Jeff always kind of had, like, a, a teachability about him. He always had this attitude that, like, I'm open to suggestions. Like, if you guys have ideas, I want to hear them. And that made it fun for me. Um, I felt like me and Kelsey were kind of like assistant coaches. Like, we would, like, throw out ideas. He would consider them. If he liked it, we would do it, you know. But we kind of were free to speak our minds and essentially, you know, give input. And I think that that honestly is a big part of, you know, what helped that group do well. Hey, what's it going to be like for you to, to come back, hang pregame, see all those pregame drills that you're so familiar with? Uh, come out of the tunnel, stand before the crowd once again. What's the experience going to be like, do you think? I'm excited, man. I uh, I mean, I haven't been to an Eagles game as a fan yet, and um, and I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, first of all, as a fan, you know, no one's trying to kill me, so it's it's more relaxed, more relaxed experience. But looking forward to being on the field again. Cool, too, that so many of my teammates, you know, guys I play with are still playing. So that'll be cool to see those guys play. But I'm ex excited to see the link as a fan you know, join the fans cheering on the birds. Um, I, I can't wait. Catch us up. What is life like for you now? So I am uh, in seminary studying to be a pastor, um, doing it online. I live in State College, PA, uh, attending Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, enjoying that. And while I'm doing that, I'm doing some ministry work as well, working with my local church. And uh, I actually just started as chaplain for the Penn State football team which I'm really enjoying. It uh, combines my two favorite things that I love in life, Jesus and football. So uh, loving that. Stefan Wisniewski, great to see you. you. You look fantastic. You've seemed very much at peace, very happy in your life. And that is wonderful to hear and wonderful to see. Thank you so much for joining. And in our extra point here on the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group, Brandon Graham, we know all about him as a football player. He's gotten into the world of apparel. He's launched his own clothing line along with American Dream Apparel. I talked to BG at his locker this week about why he started the clothing line and what he hopes to accomplish. Here's what BG had to say. You know, just was talking to a guy that already kind of had it, had it started, and I just, you know, really liked it. And I was just like, man, you know, and I was just like, man, you know, 